This is Pastor Stuart McClellan from the Altoona Bible Church greeting you. The warm-hearted church with a heartwarming message, the family church. Sing with us, pray with us, and follow the message in God's Word. The choir will open our service by singing, Broken and Spilled Out.
And now Lucinda Richardson will come and sing, Healing is in Your Hands. Your hands 
We now have Buddy Hand playing in the trumpet. Holy ground.
Here now is Liz Harris singing, I Am Redeemed. Now we have Nancy McClellan coming to play in the piano. It is well with my soul. Thank you. 
I want to thank all our musicians and singers for providing us with such beautiful Christ-centered music. Our sermon topic is rightly dividing the words of the Lord. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Rightly dividing the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. You might be thinking, what does that mean? Now we have been studying some of the words Lord Jesus Christ spoke during his earthly ministry. His words that he spoke during his 40-day conference before his ascension. You might say, isn't it enough just to follow the red-letter words, Lord Jesus Christ, and state Christ said it, therefore it must be our gospel message or our message to follow and to believe. If you don't follow his words, you can't be a disciple of his. John fifteen fourteen says, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Let's just take a moment and review. We have studied some of the words, Lord Jesus Christ. His words as recorded in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 and verse 33. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I'll give you a few moments to think upon the all things. Look back in the context. What are the all things? The all things were physical things. The food, the clothing, and the drink. Well, how do you reconcile the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that we just read in Matthew six thirty-two and 33 with Philippians chapter 4, verse number 12? I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8 and verse number 9. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we not, might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but we make ourselves an example to you to follow us. Verse 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. How do you reconcile those words? What about the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Jewish synagogue in Nazareth? The Lord Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, suspended His reading of the written Word of God. Isaiah 61, verse 1, and part of verse 2, in the middle of verse 2. He had said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears, but left off the words about the days of vengeance. Why? It's not because he did not believe the words. It's not because he did not know whether those were the words of God or not but because the days of vengeance were not being fulfilled at that point in time, and they wait a future fulfillment. What about the words the Lord Jesus Christ stated at the Olivet Discourse? And I point out to you the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, Matthew 25. Keep reading, because you find out in Matthew 26, 1 and 2, they were given two days before the cross. And his disciples had asked him several questions, and in his answers, he systematically outlined the future 70th week of Daniel, the seven-year tribulation period. 
His second coming, not the rapture, but his second coming will occur after the tribulation. Matthew 24, 29 through verse 31. How do you reconcile those words which were spoken at the Olivet Discourse with 1 Thessalonians 5, 9? For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, there's a difference between the rapture of the church, the body of Christ, which will occur before the tribulation, and the second coming of Christ. What about the words the Lord Jesus Christ spoken during his 40 days, after his resurrection, but before his ascension, the so-called Great Commission? Water baptism was required for salvation. Mark sixteen fifteen and 16, And he said unto them, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Listen to verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. How do you reconcile the Lord Jesus Christ's words with Ephesians 2, 8, 9? For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. Or with Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. There is more than one gospel good news in the Bible. What about the words Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 20, verse 22 and 23? The power to remit and retain sin. Verse 22 and verse 23 state these words. And when he had thus said, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Here's Lord Jesus Christ speaking. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. How do you reconcile those words where his disciples were given the power to remit and to retain sin? With Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And if you look at those words in John 20, 22, and 23, the power to remit and retain sin, did the apostles, did Peter and John have that power later? Absolutely. Read Acts 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. Or over in Acts chapter 8 with Simeon. Following the Lord Jesus Christ's 40-day Bible conference, he ascended to heaven. But were the words given during his 40-day Bible conference his last words? The last words that he had ever spoken? And the answer is absolutely not. First Timothy 6.3 again. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to the wholesome words, and we'll give you the definition of that word wholesome, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. What words? You see, it's not the words from the cross, not the words of the Sermon on the Mount, the Olivet Discourse, or the so-called Great Commission, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. What about the context, the interpretation of these Bible verses, the Bible verse that we talked about in the so-called Great Commission, or in John 20, or the Sermon on the Mount? I had a Bible professor at Bible College, and he would state, listen to this, there is one interpretation and then the application, and there's a primary application to, who, to those the scriptures were written and then other application. I truly respected him as a Bible professor. 
so many years later, I still respect those words and adhere to the importance of biblical interpretation. Remember, one interpretation, then the application. I believe the character of the body of Christ in the 21st century, they do not heed, they do not heed to those words shared by, by my Bible professor. They do not want to know the interpretation of the Bible verse. They simply want to know the application of the Bible verse. They want the application without the interpretation, and you cannot go to the application without the interpretation. The interpretation is first and foremost. Wrong interpretation will lead to wrong application, and wrong application is a direct result of wrong interpretation, and wrong interpretation will not lead to the sound doctrine of the Word of God. That word in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 3, the specific Greek word for wholesome, appears 12 times in the Greek New Testament. Eight times it is found in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And four times outside of Paul's epistles in Luke three times and in 3 John. 3 John Verse number two says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. The word health is the same word that it's translated the word wholesome. In Second Timothy chapter one, verse thirteen, it's a sound words. In Second Timothy chapter four, verse three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Same word, wholesome doctrine, healthy doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves t- teachers having itching ears. It's not the teachers who have the itching ears; it's the congregation, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they'll be turned to fables. Verse four. Because they will not endure the sound, the healthy doctrine. They will be turned from the truth of God's word and they will be turned to fables. In Titus chapter 1 verse 9, it's sound doctrine. In Titus 1.13, it's sound in the faith. Our derivative words in the English language include hygiene, hygienic, good health. Sound is used of literal physical health in 3 John 1.2. And then it's figuratively used by the Apostle Paul to refer to doctrinal teaching, which is sound, healthy doctrine. Romans chapter 16, verse number 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. The preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. The word mystery means secret. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 1 it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation is the unveiling. Which God gave unto him, John, to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and he signified it by his angel unto his servant John. The book of Revelation is not the revelation of the apostle John but rather it is the revelation, it's the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14 says, His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. Revelation 1.14 is not the revelation, the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, 
but rather the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the prophecy of His second coming. The word kept secret means to be silent, to keep in silence, keep secret back in Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Verse 26 says, But now is made manifested by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made to all nations for the obedience of faith. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, verse 12, and then verse 16. Listen to these words. I hope you're following along. But I certify you, brethren, the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. For neither I received it of man. The gospel that the apostle Paul preached is not the same gospel that Peter. That's why Peter, go back and read Acts 2.38. Remember what we read in Mark chapter 16. In verse 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Read Acts 2.38. Peter told them to repent and to be baptized for the remission of sins. That's not our message today. We have the remission of sins through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I refer you back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7. For I received, I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 16, to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. The glorified and risen Lord Jesus Christ from heaven revealed to the Apostle Paul the revelation of the mystery. The mystery was kept secret in the Old Testament. It was kept secret during the earthly ministry of Christ. It was kept secret during those 40 days leading up to his ascension. Later it was revealed to the Apostle Paul. And the mystery is not the salvation of the Jews. For that was talked about by the Old Testament prophets. The mystery involves Jew and Gentile joint heirs in one body. Ephesians chapter 2. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 and verse 3. In hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Listen to verse number 3. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching which is committed unto me, that would be the Apostle Paul, according to the commandment of God our Savior. It's committed, and it's through preaching, which is committed unto me. So people want to go back to Acts 2.38 or Mark 16.15 and 16. That, that's not our gospel message. Questions. Why is the church the body of Christ in the 21st century? so disobedient to this commandment of God. It is a commandment of God our Savior. Why does the church, the body of Christ, ignore this commandment of God? The word manifested means to make visible. The authoritativeness of God's commandment, the the Apostle Paul's preaching and teaching of the gospel was not a matter of his own choice, but was divinely commissioned to do this. And why? Because they failed to rightly divide the word of truth. They failed to see the importance of the Apostle Paul and the significance of him being the Apostle to the Gentiles. And how does the church, the body of Christ, ignore this commandment? Many times they might get, as we were just saying, get their gospel message from Peter, Acts 2.38. Or go back to the Lord Jesus Christ in Mark 16.15-20. Remember those words what Christ said is recorded in John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. 
the Lord Jesus Christ's command in Mark 16, 15, and 16 to preach the gospel in the whole world to every creature, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Do, do you understand? That's why you have to understand and rightly divide the word of God. And remember, we shared this previously. And here at the Altoona Bible Church, we believe and understand and confess 2 Timothy 3.16. Confess what Peter talks about. That holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's God breathed. The word inspiration we pointed out is made up of two words. God and breathe. It's, it's God breathe. Matthew 4. It's the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. But remember... That involves the whole scripture, 66 books given by the inspiration of God, but there's no portion of the Bible more inspired than the other. It is equally inspired, and that is so important to understand. William Newell, who is the author of the great hymn at Calvary, wrote these words. You can judge any man's preaching or teaching by this rule. Is he Pauline? Does his doctrine start and finish according to those statements of Christian doctrine uttered by the Apostle Paul? No matter how wonderful a man may seem in his gifts and apparent consecration, if his gospel is not Pauline, it is not the gospel, and we might as well get our minds settled at once as to that. The Word of God, 2 Timothy 2.15, has to be rightly divided. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3 down through verse number 8, says these words. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, again the word mystery secret, as I wrote a four and a few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs in the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Again, the mystery is not the salvation of the Gentiles, it's Jews and Gentiles joint heirs in a body, it's not about a nation. Verse 8 says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The word unsearchable means untraceable. Do you remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 5, verse 39? Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So Lord Jesus Christ is telling and saying, search the scriptures, what scriptures? Be the Old Testament scriptures. And yet, Ephesians 3 says that Paul preached among the Gentile the unsearchable, the untraceable riches of Christ. I'll just give you a few examples. If you think of searching the scriptures and they testify of the Lord Jesus Christ, Psalm 16, verse 10. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 16 is a messianic psalm speaking of the resurrection of Christ and the apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, reading Acts 2, he's going to refer and quote back to Psalm 16. Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? And of course we know that's one of the seven sayings of the Lord Jesus Christ from the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Isaiah 53 verse 3, He is despised and rejected a man, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid as were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. Daniel chapter 2, verse 45, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, that great image. And then he sees a stone that's cut from without man's hand come and smite the image. Not in the head, not in the shoulder, not in the legs, not in the knee, but in the toes. And that image is pulverized, and that stone becomes a great mountain and fills the whole earth. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, because it's divine, and it break in pieces the brass, the iron, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. The dream is certain, the interpretation thereof is sure. And the stone is who? The Lord Jesus Christ is a smiting stone. Ephesians 3.9 says, To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. Remember those words, hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. It was hid in God. It was not hid in the Old Testament scriptures. The revelation of the mystery, the glorified and risen Lord Jesus Christ from heaven gave this message to the Apostle Paul. God does not change, but his dealings with mankind have. And we are living in the present dispensation of God's grace. And many will want to quote Hebrews 13, verse 8. Remember, interpretation and the application. And they'll say, well, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Since he's the same, whatever was going on in the Old Testament or during his earthly ministry, healing or tongues, whatever the case may be, that's still up for us today. No, no, the Lord Jesus Christ is God. In relationship to divine attributes, they've never changed. But God's dealing with mankind absolutely have changed. And again, case in point, read Mark 16, 15, and 16, then read the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, and 4. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, there's no mention of the requirement of water baptism to be baptized for salvation, for the remission of sin. The forgiveness of sins, again, Ephesians 1, 7, Colossians 1, 14, is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the old Schofield on page 1189, has this quote, The epistles of the Apostle Paul have a distinctive character. All scripture leading up to the gospel account of the crucifixion look forward to the cross, and as primarily in view, Israel and the blessings of the earth through the Messianic kingdom. That, that's absolutely correct. But hidden God, Ephesians 3, 9, hidden God was an unrevealed fact. Here are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, these wholesome words. These are the words people ignore. They ignore God's commandment in Titus chapter 1, verse 2 and verse 3. Was an unrevealed fact that the interval of time between the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ and his return in glory and an unrevealed purpose, the outcalling of the ecclesia, the church, which is Christ's body. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8 says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of the world, nor the prince of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God 
in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before, that takes you back before the world. And we can show you verses of Scripture in Acts chapter 3, Peter's second Pentecostal address, and other verses of Scripture it was since the world. This takes you back. The grace message takes you back where? To eternity past, prior to creation. The creation, the angels, the creation of the earth, prior to Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And God says the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Verse 8 said, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, had they known anything about this foreordained glory, this hidden wisdom, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 5, the devil takes him, t- taketh him, that's Lord Jesus Christ, up in the holy city, and setteth on the pinnacle of the temple, that's the temple in Jerusalem. Verse 6, And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in thy hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. And we know in the context, the Lord Jesus Christ three times quoted and said it was written. And he was quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. And this temptation of the Lord was real. And it was not only an attack upon the Lord Jesus Christ, but it was also an attack upon the plan and the program of God. And we understand the Lord Jesus Christ, the living word quoting from the written word, the book of Deuteronomy. But do you notice in Matthew 4, 6, Satan also said it was written. And now I understand, and we're not going to take the time right now, But get your Bibles out and turn to Psalm number 91, verse 11 and 12, and have Matthew chapter 4, verse number 6, right by it. And we we understand, I know, he misquoted it. But the fact remains is that he, Satan, knew Psalm number 91 was a messianic psalm. How did he know that? He read it. If the mystery was hidden in the Old Testament scriptures, and it was not, but if it was, Satan would have figured it out, and according to first, you go back and read First Corinthians 2, 6 to 8, he would have figured it out, and he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He would not have crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. God ordained something to our glory, and it was before before the world was created, before the earth, before Genesis 1-1, as we said. Why do the words, Lord Jesus Christ, need to be rightly divided? Romans chapter 15, verse 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Because there's two different programs. We've studied. We have studied the messages given at different times by the Lord Jesus Christ. We quoted them. And I know it wasn't in great detail. We could go back and do that. The Sermon on the Mount, the Olivet Discourse, the so-called Great Commission given by the Lord. Sometime with the Great Commission was given during those 40 days after His resurrection, but before His ascension. And how can you reconcile the words of the Lord Jesus Christ with later Bible verses given by God through the Apostle Paul. There are two different 
programs of God. God's dealing with the nation of Israel, and God's dealing with the church, the body of Christ. We, we, we do not believe in replacement theology. We are dispensationalists. We are mid-Acts dispensationalists. We've shared before, I do not believe, the Altoona Bible Church does not believe that the church, the body of Christ, began in Acts chapter number 2 on the day of Pentecost. There, there wasn't a Gentile saved there. The middle wall of partition was still standing. There was a physical wall of the temple, but there was a spiritual wall that divided. And here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 14, notice these words, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. And I've heard and I've read commentaries where they say, well, this was the middle wall that existed at the temple, and it would be broken down when the temple was destroyed. Again, the dates in your Bibles are not inspired. It's man's best attempt to understand some chronology. If you have an old Schofield study Bible, what date do you see there for the writing of the book of Ephesians? 64 AD. You see, that tells me a whole lot. And you say, well, what does it tell you, Pastor? The temple, the Jewish temple, the temple that the Lord Jesus Christ overturned the tables the, the temple was existence then. That, that's the same temple later we refer to in Acts chapter 21 when they dragged the Apostle Paul out of the temple, shut the doors, and were ready to kill him. That temple was still there. When was that temple destroyed by the Roman general Titus? In 70 A.D. That's six years away. And what is what does Ephesians chapter 2 tell us? Verse 14, He is our peace who hath made both one, that's Jew and Gentile, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. If that was a reference to the physical wall that separated in the temple the court of the Jews, not where the, the priests or the high priests go, that would be the holy of holies or the holy place. This, this, this is where the Lord Jesus Christ was in the court of the Jews. And there was a court of the Gentiles. There was, and there was a wall that separated. In, in fact, there was a plaque that basically said, if you of any nation willingly and knowingly cross over this wall and come and enter into the court of the Jews, what would happen to them? They would have been killed. And if you go back to Acts chapter 21, they, they supposed that Paul had taken Trophimus there. Well, Trophimus then should have been killed. Because in their minds, he defiled the court of the, the Jews that he defiled the temple. But they they went after the Apostle Paul. But if you read and notice Ephesians 2.14, he, speaking of Christ, he is our peace. And go back in the context again. We talk about in the context. Go back in the context, verse 11, times past. This is the way the Gentiles were in times past. Read it. You're aliens. You're, You're aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You're strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope, the covenants of promise, the Abrahamic, the Davidic covenant, the new covenant. That wasn't given to Gentiles, that wasn't given to the body of Christ. That, that was given to the nation of Israel. That, that, those covenant promises have been suspended because God's dealing with the, the church, the body of Christ today. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you were sometimes are far off, you're made nigh by the blood of Christ. Again, the emphasis is the blood of Christ, and forgiveness through the blood of Christ. For he, 
Christ Jesus is our peace, who hath made both one, that's Jew and Gentile, notice, and hath broken down the middle wall, a partition between us. How in the world could that interpretation be to say that is the temple and that is the wall that separated the court of the Jews from the court of the Gentiles? You say, well, how do you know it's not? Because, first of all, it says it's already accomplished. Secondly, the date, 64 AD. The temple's not going to be destroyed for six years. And who destroyed it? Titus. What, what, what does Ephesians 2.14 say? He is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall. Who broke down the middle wall partition? It was the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we need to understand. As I said, we're, acts, we're mid-acts dispensationalists, not acts to dispensationalists. But we don't believe in replacement theology. You say, what's that? Replacement theology would say and believe that Israel failed... And since Israel failed, now God is applying to the church, in a spiritual sense, all those covenants. Well, the Abrahamic covenant is a land. How do you spiritualize a land? No, the Abrahamic, Davidic, the throne, and the new covenant will, will be fulfilled. They wait a future fulfillment in the millennial kingdom reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to understand the difference. The Lord Jesus Christ was born King of the Jews, Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. The Lord Jesus Christ died as King of the Jews, Matthew chapter 27, verse 37. And the Lord Jesus Christ at his second coming is coming back as the King of the Jews, Matthew 25, 31. Today he's the head over the church, the body of Christ. The body of Christ, where we know Jew and Gentile are joint heirs in a body. Verse 15 goes on to say, having abolished in his flesh. The enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, two, one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in a body by the cross, not at the cross, by means of the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ said those seven sayings from the cross, but those were not his last words. Then following his resurrection, 40 days. So-called Great Commission. But those were not his last words. Then he ascended on high. And the glorified and risen Lord Jesus Christ from heaven, you have the revelation of the mystery given the Apostle Paul. That is our message today. Romans to Philemon. Is all scripture given by the inspiration of God? Absolutely. Is all scripture God breathed? Absolutely. Is all scripture profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness? Absolutely. But you have to rightly, rightly divide it. Remember, one interpretation, then the application. The application is directed to who? To those who's writing to. Today, as I said, sadly, the body of Christ, they don't want to hear that. They, they, they just want the, they go to the application without the interpretation. No wonder why the body of Christ is weak. No wonder why the body of Christ is not strong in God's word because they're not studying it, they're not rightly dividing it. Yeah, you can go back and say, this is what the Lord said, absolutely. Is it scripture? Absolutely. But that's not our gospel message today. We have a glorious gospel message. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? If you've been listening, you've never trusted him. Where will your death 
take you. Do you know where it will take you? Either you're going to die or the Lord's going to return. And if you do not have, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 said, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, nothing, height nor depth, nothing will ever separate me from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you have that hope? That assurance, that persuasion. If you don't, the gospel is very simple. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. The Lord Jesus Christ came into this world. He died. He shed his blood. That through his death, through his burial and resurrection, you can be saved. You need to respond by faith. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And you don't make that peace. If you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, you, you could be minutes, hours, a day, a week, a month away from your own passing. Where will you spend eternity? Absent from the body and present with the Lord or absent from the body and absent from the Lord throughout all, all eternity? It's your choice. Won't you trust Him right now, right where you're at? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Christian friend, you trust the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the assurance of your salvation. Are you studying your word? Are you studying God's word? Are you studying the Bible? Are you rightly, rightly dividing the word of truth? It's so important that we do, and that's what the premise of this series has been. Looking at the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and understanding them in light of the word of God, rightly divided. All scripture given by the inspiration of God and profitable, but we need to rightly, rightly divide God's truth. We do not need to be like those people over in 2 Timothy who want itching ears. They only want to hear things that will please their ears. They don't want to study the Word of God out. They don't want to hear upon these doctrines. They just want to be satisfied, the itching ears. I pray that's not where you're at. I pray that you look to the Word of God and understand the importance and significance of God's Word. Would you study, rightly divide it, and then allow God's Word to be effectually working in you that also believe and have trusted Him. You have been listening to the Altoona Bible Church. We trust that you've received a real spiritual blessing from this service. It is our prayerful desire that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So until we meet again by radio, this is Pastor Stuart McClellan from the Altoona Bible Church. Wish you God's best for now and throughout all eternity.